Braden Coburn back in action for the Lightning. And his pass eludes Dougie Hamilton at the point. Kucherov looking for Carter Hagee in front, and it was just tipped before it reached for Hagee. He fires across, they score! Mitchell Stevens on a beautiful goal, dashing in toward the net. He opens the scoring at 236. What a way to start, especially for the young line coming out here and attacking with some good speed. Middle of the ice right away, right there, but they stay with it. Now there's the dangerous play, but the key is Carolina doesn't get things sorted out. They just sort of stand around in front of the net and on the line change, it's Stevens coming off the bench. This happens so often. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Morning After Podcast. I am Adam Gold. Thanks to the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, television broadcast for not only that play-by-play, but the explanation for what the real problem was. And we'll talk about that uh, with Alec Campbell in a little bit. But on that first goal, um, Dougie Hamilton tried to make a play at the blue line, whiffed on the puck, bouncing puck. I mean, it's going to happen. It happened to Jake Gardner a couple of games ago. Um, And two-on-one happened. Lucas Walmark foiled the initial try. Uh, But then Carolina just caught napping. And ultimately, it's one nothing. Another mistake a little bit later on by Hamilton, who gave the puck away to Steven Stamkos. Should have been an icing. Wasn't an icing. No idea why it wasn't an icing. Then it should have been a hook on Kucherov on Hamilton. Wasn't called. Still gave the puck away. Stamkos beat Peter Morozik. It's 2 nothing. less than five minutes into the game. Uh, and essentially, it was over. Now, it shouldn't have been, but it was because Carolina just did not have uh, what they needed to compete with a team like Tampa. Uh, don't be um, don't be fooled by the, if you're an analytics person, do not be fooled by the analytics. Tampa was significantly better than Carolina in the first period. Carolina was a no-show in the second, and then the third period was simply a, a service of, I think, the Lightning just sitting back and letting Carolina do what whatever they wanted because they knew they had the, the game basically in hand. As long as they didn't screw it up, they were going to win this game, and that's unfortunate because uh, Carolina, even against Washington, I thought Carolina was dangerous. I didn't think they were very dangerous tonight. Again, stats, especially those analytical numbers, Corsi, Fenwick, blah, 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 high danger, whatever. Uh, Carolina had minimal good scoring chances tonight. Uh, Sebastian Ow had a couple in the first period, and that's basically uh, basically it, and Ajo... Uh, needs to cash in on at least one of those, if not uh, if not both. Uh, all right, before we get to Alec Campbell, my friend uh, who will join us and will sort through not only this game, uh, but more a kind of a little bit of a bigger picture look. Um, a reminder, love for you to, uh, to download the podcast, subscribe to it, rate it, give us some uh, feedback. And if you have any questions, any thoughts, any things you'd like to hear on future Kane's Corner Morning After podcast, let me know. You can always reach me on Twitter at a gold fan. With all of that said, let's get right to it. All right, we're bringing Alec Campbell, the uh, your able-bodied host 
of Stormwatch Aftermath. Uh, my friend, um, familiar stuff tonight, unfortunately. Trying to do too much to score, uh, not getting enough uh, key saves, although Peter made some big saves tonight, just like he did against Washington. Uh, I really thought he was good against Washington, except for the one goal, uh, but it wasn't good enough tonight. And maybe maybe he could have had two of them. I don't know. Um, but right now, just too many mistakes making it too easy on everybody to score. I mean, that's what happened against Washington. That's what happened against Tampa. And even when they were playing well and winning games, they were giving up too many easy chances. So uh, what's your read on what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of... I kind of look at this game maybe a, a little bit differently. I mean, I don't, I don't, th- there are too many easy chances, but it's not like, I think lately it's been like a flurry of like two on one after two on one after breakaway after two on one, like we've seen in the past. I, I actually think they've buttoned that stuff up a little bit more. To me, it was more tonight. It, there was, there was just a lot of haphazardness out there. They're just, I, you know, maybe they were doing too much, but I thought that a lot of the things they did tonight lacked purpose. And I think that is illustrated by what you'll see if you look at this game on paper, because you're going to look at a team that outshot Tampa. They outchanced Tampa. The Corsi was in favor of the Hurricanes. The faceoffs were in favor mm-hmm. of the Hurricanes. And so for me, what that tells me is that they didn't do anything with the puck. Uh, I mean, if you think about the game that Vasilevsky had, he didn't really have to do a whole lot of work. There just wasn't a whole lot of danger that he had to face. No, I think I mean, the best so, save was on Gardner. I think really uh, Gardner had a chance where he, uh, he had a, a, uh, an opportunity on a third oppor- a third chance right out in front. And that, I thought that was Vasilevsky's best save i mean i think the the analytics does not tell the story of this game in my no 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 not not at all but i think if you're gonna if you're gonna read anything into it because you'll look at a first period and a third period that on paper look completely dominant by the hurricanes but if you actually watch the game none of that stuff none of those shots or anything you know aho had a couple of chances Mm -hmm. none none of those shots were threatening at all I mean, none of it, none of it. So, so to me, that's what that, that's, you know, this reminds me actually a lot of the Canes from a couple of years ago, two years ago. Yeah. Where two years ago, where there's a lot of stuff from the outside, you know, they got pushed to the, to the boards a little bit and they were just kind of haphazardly flinging pucks at the net without a whole lot of purpose. But ultimately this effort tonight was of the apathetic variety. I mean, mm-hmm. I was, I was trying to figure out, you know, you, you know how you do, you know, when when you and I do these things and we we watch the games and cover the team, it's always about, all right, what what happened in this game? What are the what are the two or three or four, you know, lasting thoughts from this game? And there really isn't much to say about it because not a whole lot happened um, besides, you know, a late goal from Andre Sveshnikov. But it's really, I mean, even Rod Brindamore. I mean, the, the the press conference tonight was a minute and thirty two seconds. Yeah, we had, there were no there, there's there was nothing to ask. There's there's yeah there there were there were no there were no moments really that stood out. I mean, even even really bad. It's it's not like there were like egregious errors made all night long. It's just that 
the Canes didn't really muster much of an effort doing well, anything. And so now it maybe, just, maybe that's why I didn't ask any questions in the post game. Uh, yeah. I, I was I was mirroring the uh, the Hurricanes. Uh, I thought they played six, maybe seven good minutes in the first period, uh, and that was well after it was already two nothing. Then the second period they took off. It was they were fortunate to only give up one goal in the second period. Um, and then the third period, and Rod pointed it out, and I kind of feel the same way about it, is that big deal. I mean, it was already 3 nothing. If you didn't get that first goal right away, you weren't coming back on Tampa. Um, they just, for whatever reason, it uh, it wasn't there for really anybody tonight. There weren't a whole lot of good players uh, tonight, if any really good players tonight. Um, and I think that was maybe the most disappointing thing. We're in the middle of a seven-game homestand. The team is 2-2. Two and two. Uh, two good wins with uh, Washington and then Montreal, but then two losses where uh, they made enough mistakes to you know that it cost them. Um, they they probably played better against Washington the second time. I think they definitely played better against Washington the second time than they did against uh, Tampa tonight. Yeah, I, I would agree with all that, and I, I go back even further. You know, I mean, it's they've lost. They've, they're two and two on this homestand, but they've lost five of their last seven games. Yep. Um, so it's been a little bit of a, of a rocky road here recently. And, you know, I think there's something to be said for uh, the word cheating has been brought up a lot, um, in terms of the way that Rod Brindamore likes them to play, Mm -hmm. um, where they're, where they're kind of hunting for goals a little more and instead of doing a lot of the little things, but, um, you know, John Forzen alluded to this long homestand being maybe a factor that that the rhythm of a, of a season in general is, you know, three, four games at home and then you're yeah. back out on the road again. And, you know, that kind of break in, you know, the, the, the break in the schedule like that is actually helpful uh, to guys. Yeah. Rod doesn't um, like this. So, he doesn't like seven so in a row at home. They're so, yeah, they're sort of sitting here. They're all comfortable. They're at their house. You know, blah, blah, blah. They, there's not a whole – I mean, you know, if you think about the, the schedule of a hockey player, I mean, it's not – they don't work for lots of hours. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. they, they, they come to the rink, and they're only allowed to be there for three hours at a time on a practice day. And uh, if it's if there's no game that day, then they're there for three hours. They're home for the rest of the day. They might – you know, they get a nap in. You know, some of them have families and stuff that they have to attend to, so there's that. You know, but even on a, on a on a game day at home, you know they're they're in for a morning skate. They're there for a little bit, and they're home and they come back to the rink. It's not it's not that taxing of a day. You know, they're they're not pulling days like most you know of America out there working ten you know eight ten right. twelve hour days all the time. Um, but so so they 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 like I, I think they like getting out on the road and breaking up the schedule a little bit. Maybe there's something to to do with that, but I don't know. Tonight, tonight for me, it was just, it was just sort of a not, it was just sort of a blah game, a nothing game. There just wasn't, there's just not a whole lot to take away from it. I don't think. Yeah, and just, you know, and Tampa, Tampa got that three nothing lead, and they're they're playing on the second night of a back to back with minimal rest, twenty two hours with the five o'clock start tonight, and they're thinking to themselves in the third period, like, hey, just don't screw this up. Right. Let's just sit. They did. They mounted almost no push. Yeah. In the third period, they just sat in a shell. And kind of let let the hurricanes come in the zone, and that's why uh, other, 
that that's why Rod Brindamore completely discounted the third period. He goes, they uh, Tampa wasn't trying to do anything. They just sat right. back and let us come. <laughs> and uh, all right, I want to I want to hit on three quick things uh, before we uh, wrap up a a Sunday evening, Monday morning, morning after podcast. Uh, so I will uh, first remind people to do this: subscribe, um, rate it if you like. If you don't want to rate it. I don't, that's fine. I don't need the, we don't need the rating. It would certainly be good if you like it. Let us know. And if you have any feedback, by all means, uh, leave it there, uh, there for us. Uh, so far, people have liked this. I hope they continue to like it. All right. So there are uh, Alec Campbell, uh, Storm, Stormwatch, Aftermath, able-bodied host, my friend. All right. Let's get to uh, three things I want to uh, hit on real quick. Uh, first okay. thing is congratulating Dougie Hamilton for making his first all, all-star team. He's had a monster, yeah. an absolute monster season. I've talked a ton about the real thing I think that is the most positive is not the offense, but the fact that he's uh, been a good part of the penalty kill. He has been mm-hmm. defensively responsible and all that. Lately, however, uh, and I think most of his problems have probably been on the offensive end, uh, trying to score points, because his point, his uh, his offensive production has waned a little bit over the last few weeks, and maybe uh, maybe getting back to basics would do him some uh, some good because there's a responsibility that he has now as one of the big three on defense because the Hurricanes are suddenly thin on the blue line. Well, first of all, as long as he's not playing very well, he's Doug Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> So he's had a few he's had a few rough games here recently and you know I've thrown out this uh, I've thrown out this comparison to uh or thrown out this joke to a lot of people but the the hockey the hockey community doesn't seem to get it um you know I've I've likened him to Jamal Crawford of the NBA who never saw a shot that he didn't like right right except the Dougie's a bona fide starter and Jamal Crawford was a was a, a sixth man essentially yeah. either way they hunt shots yeah. guys like that and it's 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 good and it's bad when it's good it's going in and you love Dougie's aggressiveness and his offensive ability and all of that stuff excuse me Doug yeah Doug uh, right you you love his offensive ability and his aggressiveness and his willingness to jump in the play and all of that stuff but when he starts to hunt a little bit and you wonder with like, sometimes it feels like he's trying to prove something because he's a few goals, you know, he's a few points or a few goals shy of, of Carlson. And I think there's maybe one other defenseman mm-hmm. in the league that's got more points than him or whatever. And sometimes it feels like he's going to the all-star game and he feels like he's got to like prove himself or whatever. I, I don't know what it is. I, I might just be putting stuff out there, but you know, He's he's been hunting a lot lately. Yeah. And it's been noticeable. And a lot of times it ends up being uh two on ones, odd man rushes, breakaways, stuff like that that end up having that end up happening. And when we go back to the beginning of the season and we talked about what made Doug so good this year, and every player to a man in that room, or at least the defensive guys that were playing with them, the thing they pointed out was his defensive play yeah. and his responsibility as a defenseman, not hunting shots necessarily. Like he's always going to get his shots, but it was the defensive play, the coverages, the, the, the two way hockey, 
you know, the back checking, all of that stuff that was that was impressing them the most and impressing the coach most. And if there's I think if there's one glaring thing that I think is creeping into this team right now, it's it's that. It's that it's that guys are cheating mm-hmm. a little bit too much for Rod Brendamore's liking. And it's 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 he's being Rod's being proven right right now yeah what's happening um i i'll i'll just point out i said uh at the end of that uh little spiel uh what was the strength of this team is not really a strength anymore um if you look at their defense today uh and they lined up uh slavin hamilton gardner pesci uh flurry edmondson on uh, is their uh, starting defenseman tonight that's a whole lot different than what they had last year Slavin Hamilton, Pesci, Falk, DeHaan, and Van Riemsdyk. Yes, there were injuries by the end of it, and injuries uh, and the the DeHaan and Falk trades have certainly changed things, but this team isn't nearly as good on the blue line as they were a year ago in spite of uh, Dougie's defensive improvements. I mean, the, the, the gap between their third and fourth best defenseman right now is yeah. mind blowing, and yeah. if they don't fill if they don't fill that gap um, somehow, uh, it's I just I just don't see how they're going to survive in the playoffs, assuming they can make the playoffs. Yeah, well, I mean, eventually you have to stop people from scoring. <laughs> mm. Your your defensemen, you know, and it's not just on them to play no. play defense; it's everybody else too. But I mean. They just haven't – there have been so many games this year that have been pond hockey games. Uh, Toronto. The Toronto game was they, that. Or they've gotten – I mean, there were a couple in that stretch of games. The, the uh, I forget who the other team was now off the top of my head. But, you know, they found themselves in holes too. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they took two – they gave up two goals in the first five minutes of the game tonight. Mm-hmm. And then they came out in the second half and gave up another goal in the first six minutes of the game. You know, that's, that's just not – you can't chase the game all the time that way. No, certainly so not good teams. Getting, so I, I'm not – you know, the the overall numbers, I think, on the season are pretty good in terms of their goals against average and stuff. But it's it's lately been getting worse, their, their defensive hockey, in terms of just preventing people from staying out of the net. Right. Uh, it, 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 it hasn't been good recently. So – and I think the universal thought, as you mentioned – and, you know, John mentioned this on the aftermath a couple nights ago was because someone called in and asked about it was, what do they need? Well, they need a top four defenseman yeah. right now. I think everybody could, I think everybody is cool with the forward combinations right now, Justin Williams or not. But if they don't find a, a three, a, a fourth defenseman, a, a solid top four defenseman that can play, that, that can help keep pucks out of the net, mm-hmm. then it's going to be a short-lived playoff experience, assuming they make it. Yeah. It, 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 I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, I was actually uh, contemplating uh, on the ride home whether or not Hayden Flurry could bump up and play with Brett Pesci. That's the way my brain uh, was working, and I slapped myself very quickly. But uh, right now, well, I, don't, I don't like it really. I mean, ultimately, I think Joel Edmondson is their fourth-best defenseman. Uh, right. It's just tough for him to play at that pace well, the, the way they want to play. Yeah. To me, the problem with that is not so much about whether or not Hayden Fleury can can bump up and play. It's then leaving 
Edmondson and Gardner on the same pair together, which I don't think yeah. is good at all. Yeah, and, and honestly, Hayden Fleury is being uh, shielded uh, from high leverage uh, ice time for the most part because uh, even tonight, he only I thought he was good tonight, but even if you look at the TOI, uh, Hayden Fleury is only playing 12, 13 minutes a night. Uh, all right, second item. Um, who's Carolina's best forward? Not who should be their best forward. Who is their best forward? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Honestly, I think their best forward right now. Oh, man, it's kind of tough, but I my, I go immediately to Tara Vinen, right? Yes. So I think it is. Um, I hope you, by the way, I hope people vote NHL.com slash vote vote for turbo. You can vote 10 times a day. Yeah, because, you know, all of these things, I think, are relative to expectations and what they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, would you say that Sebastian Ajo has lived up so far this year? No, as a matter of fact, uh, if I was making a list of who their best forwards are, I've got at least three players in front of Sebastian Ajo right now, so which you, is... You've got, I'm going to guess, you have Teravainen, Sveshnikov, and Hala? Yep. Yeah, because I was actually thinking of Hala as their best forward, who would have been my second. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Sveshnikov's been pretty good, but he's but he's had lulls. Yeah, well, he's, his, the- his lulls have been uh, carelessness with the puck, right? But he has been consistently dangerous. And part of it could be playing with Jordan Stahl, and it's almost unfair to put Jordan, not to even list Jordan Stahl uh, in that category because he does a lot of the things that uh, nobody else can do on this team. And he plays, uh, he commands the puck and he plays a heavy game, all that, blah, 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 the stuff that Rod Brindamore loves to talk about. Uh, But the whole reason I asked the question was because Sebastian Ajo is supposed to be their best forward. And he hasn't been bad, but this is the this is the Ajo to an extent that we saw in the playoffs that was he was okay. Yeah. Right? But he he, yeah, he can't be okay. For, yeah, we're still waiting for more consistent domination. Yeah. Right? Like it it, it can come and go here and there, but it's gotta be there like game in, game out for long stretches at a time. Yep. And I don't think we've ever seen that really. No, we 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 have we saw it for a few games here and there and a lot of that was Tevo Teravainen generated because Teravainen's highlight reel of passes uh is as good just about as anybody's highlight reel of goals. Uh so if Aho if Aho can have a better second half than he had a first half Carolina will be in good shape because I think he makes it easier for everybody when he's doing his thing. Um, but right now, uh, he's he's at best, I think, their fourth best forward, and that is leaving out Jordan Stahl out of that uh, out of that equation. And you know, I think this will be the third thing, and then we'll wrap on this. I've looked at you know, I've said on more than one occasion. I'm not worried about this team making the playoffs. Not worried about this team making the playoffs. They, even if they finish fifth in the Metro, not worried about this team making the playoffs. And then I looked at the standings tonight. Mm-hmm. Florida's one point behind Carolina. Mm-hmm. Toronto and Tampa are going to be right there with Boston at the end. 
those three teams are going to be one, two, and three in the Atlantic division. Yeah. Florida loaded up in the offseason. I still don't think they're good enough defensively, but you know what? They can score. They can score like crazy, and it's it's going to be a fight. Philadelphia is good. Columbus is only four points back, and I actually like the way that team's made up for John Tortorella. Uh, they're going to miss uh, Jonas Corposalo, uh, so who knows how their goaltending is going to hold up because he's out for a while. Uh, but holy cow, um, there are like four or five teams. I still think the Rangers are going to be good by the end of the season. Forget about what they did against uh, the Hurricanes. I still think they're going to be good. They have too much talent, and they they still have Henrik Lundqvist. Um, and you look at and Artemi Panarin is a star, an absolute star. Um, so there's like five or six teams fighting for two spots and. It's it's not going to be so easy. I thought at the beginning of the season that 95 points would be enough. I think that number would be a little bit higher now. Um, but right now the Hurricanes are at about a 99-point pace. I'm not sure 99 points are going to get in. Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia is what, a point behind? A point right behind, yeah. They, they got a head-to-head matchup coming up on Tuesday against Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, I'm I am to the point where I've been watching the Hurricanes' points, their position in the standings. I know we're only halfway through the season, but you know, and then doing scoreboards during the games, and I look up and see that Pittsburgh lost tonight, and that felt like another huge missed opportunity, <laughs> getting a win. You know, like when you see that kind of stuff. It's yeah, like, Pittsburgh, man. Oh man, because Pittsburgh, because Pittsburgh just continues to reel off wins. I mean. You- you talk yeah. about a culture of winning. Unbelievable. They had they were missing Malkin at one point. Uh, then Crosby's been out. He just started skating. Now Jake Gensel's out for basically the yeah. year. Uh, and it doesn't matter. They just win. Yeah. And you know, I did a I did a hit on the on a Tampa on the Tampa show today, and they asked me about getting in the top three or wild card and i'm like i don't think it really matters right now at this point i think if they get a wild card spot we'll be happy with that based on the way the metro is playing out yes just make the playoffs but it's uh it's just not going to be easy the way uh the way the division is and you have to play better against it um but uh big week with philadelphia arizona and the kings uh all uh all in town uh i mean I, to me, it's a six-point minimum. They have to get all six, uh, and it's just I, I'm actually still baffled. This team has only two overtime losses, and oh, I mean, I actually think it's a bad sign that they couldn't take some of these games that they ultimately did lose, couldn't get a point out of them. I mean, they've lost sixteen times. They're twenty-four, sixteen, and two. I mean, if it's uh, if it's twenty-four, uh, uh, twelve, and six. It's a totally different ball game. Even if you don't win those games, if you can just squeak them out, then, uh, you know, if they take the Boston game into overtime and they played a great game, uh, right. nothing, nothing until about four minutes left. Didn't get anything out of it. And there's too many, there's been too many games like that over the course of this season. All right, let's, uh, let's say goodbye. Uh, I'll see you, uh, I'll see you at work, sir, and we'll, uh, we'll talk again. And we get to, uh, we get to hang out on, uh, on Tuesday against the Flyers. Can't wait to see a little uh, Broad Street bully action 
in uh, in PNC. The Hurricanes have already lost once to them this year. So that's right. No, twice. If they can get a win. Twice. They're zero and two against Flyers. That's right. Zero and two. All right, man. So thanks a lot, man. I'll talk to you. Thank you. All right, that'll wrap us up. Uh, thanks to Alec Campbell. Uh, Hurricanes are 24-16-2 on the season. They will take on the Flyers on Tuesday night from PNC Arena. Then Arizona and the LA Kings finish off a seven-game homestand. One thing that uh, is interesting, um, and I think hockey players are a creature of habit. We were talking about it briefly with Alec. Rod Brindamore does not like a seven-game homestand. Too many home games, too many uh, too many ways to kind of trip you up. They, they like you want to play three or four in a row at home, that's fine. Uh, but four games in, the Hurricanes uh, really put up a stinker tonight. They just got beat by Washington the other night. Uh, this was just a bad game. Uh, all right, uh, thank you very much for hanging out. Uh, we'll see you Tuesday night following the Canes and the Flyers. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sportsfan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast.